this will be more for the online people uh, that they can hear uh, and, and know what's going on because you guys can hear me just fine. This is for the online. I'm thankful. Give our audiovisual crew a hand. We're so grateful to the things that they do. A lot of times we come to church and we just show up, and because we have a bunch of dedicated people who are excellent at what they do, we don't really notice the true magnitude of what it is that they do, and we want to say thank you for that. Thank you for all the things that you guys do. Um, it may be user error or somebody, if I could get one of my guys to get me a battery, we'll be able to do this because I really want to preach with this if you'll get some batteries for this pack. But we're going to go ahead now, nevertheless, the battery has gone out. I know what it is. Uh, and we're going to go to the book of Romans. Everybody excited? All right. God has been doing a marvelous thing for us in the book of Romans. Sometimes you can't strip stuff. You just got to go with it the way it is. Amen. Um, at the book of Romans, we're in our fourth sermon in the book of Romans. For those of you who have been in the class, you know that the classes on Wednesday night are absolutely phenomenal. And I am so grateful for the teachers that we have. Um, all three of them do a marvelous job. And for that, I am very grateful. They show up and they don't just give you anything. They prepare for you so that you'll be able uh, to get the best. And that's what we want. We want you to be able to get the best. We want you to be able to get all of the best things. Um, and so we're grateful for them. Will you give them a hand for all of their hard work? If you have not yet, if you have not yet, we recommend that you show up for that study. And you can't strip this stuff. I know we're on the live stream. Okay, church is not perfect. It's, it's a place of imperfect people. So uh, imperfect things happen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So glad to have you here again today in the house of God. Y'all ready for the word? All right. We're in the book of Romans, chapter one. We made it quite a ways through Romans. Um, this is a I will say before I start, not many disclaimers, but this is a very controversial scripture nowadays, but it's scripture just the same. So we don't shy away from things just because the culture might not like it. Uh, we preach what's in the word, and that's why we're going down line by line. So we can't skip anything. If God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. So Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18. I'll ask Robin if you'll check the live stream with me without this, because I'd rather move my hands. Guys, you know I like to move and I, I don't want anything in my hands if I can avoid it. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18. We have a very happy topic today. Uh, let's, let's read. Uh, let's read together. If you'd like to stand, you can. You don't have to. And what does it say? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let's read this all together as loud as we can. If you're able to, let's let's read. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. 
Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, whoever who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetous, maliceness. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Wow. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. The word of God for the people of God. Speak your servants. Listen, Lord, and we'll give you all the praise in the name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. We're going to be talking about today from this topic. He's coming down the hill. He's coming down the hill. You may be seated in the presence of God. <laughs> because of the nature of what, what we're preaching about. And I can see faces a little bit as we begin to read these things. I see fear on people's faces about what will be said. What will be said is what's in the text. And because of that fear, that's an indication of how far our culture and our world has slipped from the word of God. But not just in today's time, for this was not written in the 50s or the 60s, but this was written in the first century A.D., that man, when we do things, it is not unique just to us that sin has a nature in the hearts of man. And when left unchecked by God, it goes further and further down the way. I wanted to start this this morning by giving you a story of a town that was made in a river valley. In May 31st of 1889, there was water in the streets. There was water in the streets of Johnstown, Pennsylvania, but nobody moved because they lived in a river valley and they were so used to the water coming down from the ice caps when the snow melted. They were used to walking around in water and when the water began to melt, they didn't move. They didn't think anything of it. They had become used to water in the streets. They had become used to unnatural and unnormal conditions and they, none of them ever made a, an attempt to move so as the, the ground flooded they did what they normally would do they got up and they went inside and they waited for everything to pass they waited for things to get better as, as they usually would on the Appalachian Plateau but something is very different on this day something is very different on this day of May 31st 1889 for what they do not know is that 14 miles to the north of them at a higher elevation is a club a club that is made for rich people a club that was made for 
Andrew Carnegie and his friend, Mr. Frick, and other people, and they have put a reservoir into this club, and because of that, it's designed, reservoirs are designed to create controlled flooding so that things don't overflow, but because they were greedy and because they didn't want to mess up their look, they decided not to put extra length to the dam so the dam was shorter than it was supposed to be. Now, not only did they do that, but there were overflows. So when the water began to overflow, they would flow outside. It would flow over the levees. But they wanted so much their rich lifestyle that they decided they didn't want the fish going downstream. So they put nets over the overflows to keep the fish on the inside that later became clogged. And as they became clogged and a big tumultuous storm came to the Appalachian Plains, they woke up that morning in a panic. Because they knew that the water could not be held and they tried with all their might. And here they are in a panic, not knowing what's going to happen when the levee breaks. And all of these people who are in Johnstown are walking around or sitting around in what looks to be normal. That water in the streets had become so normal that nobody thought one thing about it. Nobody ever thought, hey, there's water in the streets. Maybe we should do something about it. They had become comfortable with things that were unnatural because it's not natural for water to be in the streets and all of a sudden after they tried all they could the levee busted and it's recorded that after the levee busted in John, above Johnstown, Pennsylvania, that a river of water as wide as the Mississippi River, and I'm from Mississippi, the Mississippi River is wide, as wide as the Mississippi River and 40 feet high, begin to flow down the hill to these people who were living in abnormal conditions but had become used to it. Doom was headed to them and pending doom was headed to them and it was not until they heard the rumble of the trees and the debris, 14 miles of trees and debris that had been decimated by the power of the water of the flood that they realized too late that doom was headed their way. They were going to see the wrath of the water. They were going to see the wrath and the fury and the violence of the water and 2020. 2,209 people lost their lives because they had become comfortable in abnormal circumstances. Water's in my street, Pastor Ernie. I, I probably call the city or try to do something to correct it. I'll figure out something's wrong, but because water's always in the street, we become preconditioned to it. We come preconditioned to things that are not natural. And we've been talking uh, about the book of Romans and, and Paul let us know. He, we spent the first two weeks talking about the nature and the character of God. Paul is setting a stage for the Roman church to know why they believe what they believe. And last week he let us know that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why was he not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. Paul wanted to be what the people that were 14 miles north wasn't because I would submit to you today that they had time to go down the hill and had just one person took their time to go down the hill. 2,209 people might not have lost their lives. Had just one person been brave enough to stand up to the rich people, 2,209 people might have not lost their lives. But Paul is letting us know 
know that he is not ashamed of the gospel. Why is he doing that? Because he knows that another flood of a different type is on the way. And he says it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who will believe. It's good news. The word gospel is the Greek word euangelion. And if you looked at it on the screen, you would notice that it looks like the word evangelize or evangelist. That's where we get our word evangelist from. It's the euangelion. It's the good news of Christ Jesus that God came to save the world. But brother Dave, do you know the only problem with good news? The only thing that's wrong with good news is that the reason good news is good is because bad news is bad. The good news is salvation is offered, but the bad news is salvation is needed. I remember a famous theologian saying this, that I contributed nothing to my salvation except the sin that made it necessary. After all, we'll reach out for help when we think we need help. And many people are not reaching out for help for Jesus to come help them. They're not reaching for salvation because they don't realize that there's water in the streets because they go online and they watch watered down feel good sermons. They go online and they read things and they have pastors that read stuff. Nothing wrong with pastors. I love pastors and they skip over sections like this because it is going against the culture and they don't want to ruffle any feathers and because they will not tell people the truth people become naturally inclusive to the abnormal and there's water running in the streets not realizing that all those who do not heed the warning wrath is on the way that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the wrath of God is satisfied after all, we don't reach up for the help that we don't think we need. And the danger of a watered down gospel is it causes people to be OK and remain in their sins. I submit to you, if you come to church every Sunday and you leave feeling good and you don't ever squirm in your seat and you don't ever feel a little uncomfortable, I would suggest to you that it's time for you to find another church because somebody is preaching a God that they have created and not the God that's created them because his ways are right and his ways are pure and his ways are righteous. And sometimes our ways go completely juxtaposed and different from his. After all, we, we know that people will remain in their sins if there's nobody to warn them. And because we're so used to the small floods in our life, we make preparations to endure the symptoms of sin and not deal with the deadly nature of it. Anytime I saw flooding in my streets, I would immediately find a way, Brother Day, to find out how I could fix it. But when you get used to it, you don't bother. It doesn't bother you. Why? There were things that were in the 50s and the 60s that you could didn't even see a woman's ankle but now there's things on tv and none of us ever move why because we've got used to water being in the streets we've gotten used to promiscuity we've gotten used to people showing things that shouldn't be shown and dressing ways that they shouldn't dress we've gotten used to impurity 
The culture has become so perverse. And what Paul is saying is we shouldn't be surprised. He's writing this 2000 years ago. So guess what? There's nothing new under the sun. Humans have a capacity that the further they get away from God, the more secularized they become, the more they become debased and the more they walk away from God. And Paul opens up by letting us know that there is a flood headed toward the world and it's called the wrath of God and it is headed toward every unrepentant sinner. He is charged to, he is running down the hill. He is charged to warn everyone that the wages of sin is death and that destruction is on the way but if you would just heed the word of the Lord, salvation can come to you. He opens up with a strong positional statement. I have to be honest with you, I've been wrestling with this text for over a month now because nobody, no preacher knows how to start open a, ser- a sermon when it starts with the words, the wrath of God. That's not the friendliest or the nicest topic, but God put it there. He wants us to know something about it. What is the wrath of God? Some of us are scared of the wrath of God because we don't understand the wrath of God. But I'm going to tell you what the wrath of God is. In the Greek here where it was written, it is the word orge. Everybody say orge. The wrath of God literally means this. It means the anger, the exasperation, or the hostility of God is revealed from heaven against all manner of wickedness, unrighteousness, and ungodliness. In other words, God is patient, God is loving, but God is not monolithic. He's just like your parents. They love you, but there's only so much they're going to take before retribution is going to come. It's only so long your mama's going to tell you to clean your room until you come home and all your clothes are in the hallway. Why? Because she becomes exasperated with it. And when you don't listen to sound advice, sometimes consequences come. And this is the thing that a perfect God made us in his image. He put us in a perfect world and sin has destroyed that perfect world. But he's given us a way to come back to him. But God is angry with sin. God is exasperated exasperated with sin. He is by nature hostile towards sin because good has nothing to do with evil and light has nothing to do with darkness. And because God is good, everybody say God is good. Because God is right and because God is pure, all those things that are not right, all those things that are not pure, all those things that are not holy must be destroyed in his presence. If you don't believe me, come back tonight. We're not having night service, but just come in here and just walk in the building about 8 o'clock tonight and you'll notice that it's pretty dark and flip on a light switch. Why do you flip on the light switch? Nobody has to tell the darkness to go away, but light is an affirmative force and when light comes in light and dark don't get along and when light shows up darkness has to flee because they're opposite of each other and when God comes into your life evil and wickedness need to flee unrighteousness need to flee unholiness needs to flee why because we were created in his image I know this is a strong message, but I just believe we've preached to you long enough that you can take strong teaching, that you don't have to have watered down gospel. It may offend some people, but I didn't write it. You have to take it up with the author. Talk to him about it. But at the end of the day, 
He's letting you know that I have a wrath and he is not like a modern day preacher. When they teach us now, they teach us to be seeker sensitive and tell you about the love of God. They only teach you to tell you about one part of God. But you notice in Paul's writing, he doesn't say that the wrath of God is hidden, but it says it's what? It's revealed. In other words, God is not trying to hide the fact that he is angry with sin. He is not trying to hide the fact that he is angry with wickedness. He is trying to reveal it to you so that you will run from it. Why do you need to run from it? I will put to you in the manner of this thought. For my military people, you know how this works, that if somebody was to release a heat sinking missile on something, that heat sinking missile is designed to take a heat signature and it's supposed to run that missile into the heat signal, which means that even though it may not be after you, if you're in the vehicle that it's after, it's going to destroy both the vehicle and you. I've come to tell you that the wrath of God is after sin and that it is a heat sinking missile towards sin and although we may feel good in it, one day the wrath of God will destroy sin. But how do you get away from a heat sinking missile? Those of you who have ever been in the military know that there are flares on the side of, of, of the plane. While there are flares there, it's because when you let the flares loose, it will distract the, the, the wrath of the bullet. It will distract the wrath of the missile and cause the missile to go somewhere else and to, and to veer off. I've come to tell you that you have, a, you have a flare right now, and it's called the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the blood of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is headed directly on a collision's course with sin. But if you will accept Jesus as your savior, there's a flare that will deter the wrath of God. It will still destroy sin, but it cannot detect sin in you because you've been washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice that the wrath of God is not only revealed, but it's revealed against everybody. Say all. all. Now, can somebody tell me what all means? That doesn't mean just some ungodliness and some unrighteousness. Because of what's written in this text, we tend to be a little heavy handed towards some sins that are less socially acceptable and we look over the other but I've come to tell you that there are a list of sins in here and all of us are guilty of some of them how do you know because the Bible said that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God what Paul is saying is none of you are innocent none of you get to go free none of us get a pass that the wrath of God is headed toward us until we rely by grace through faith on the blood of Jesus Christ and allow him to take the penalty for our sin that the wrath of heaven is revealed towards all ungodliness and all unrighteousness not just the socially acceptable many of us probably liked reading the first part because that had nothing to do with us we we uh, hey pastor I, I like women I don't like I don't like men and, and, and that's the thing I don't have those issues but do you lie do you gossip do you get angry with people do you put nasty things about Facebook, about people on? Do you have hatred towards your heart? Do you see people in the Walmart and instead of going to them, you walk the other way and pretend like you don't see them? Do you have family members that you just can't stand? Instead of praying for them, you decide to wish evil toward them? Has somebody ever hurt you in life? And instead of forgiving them, all you can think is about getting back at them? The wrath of God is revealed against that stuff. 
There's sin in all of us. Paul says it's revealed, and it means that God is not doing what the modern-day church is doing. He is trying to present, he's not trying to present a softer, more gentler version of himself. God is not interested in PR. He doesn't put out polls and get statisticians to find out what's trendy and what he can say that will make people agree with him. God never used the poll. He's not a politician. He doesn't have to because he's God and what he says goes and he sets the standard whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not. He is holy and he is righteous. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. We don't like preaching like this because we like to have a God that we can control and I'm going to talk to you about that in a second but I'm going to let you know this God does not give apologies for his wrath so I'm not going to give an apology for his wrath God does not seek to make his wrath seeker friendly so I'm not going to seek to make his wrath seeker friendly God is not interested in making his wrath non-offensive so I'm not going to try to make his wrath non-offensive God seeks with his wrath to eradicate sin and to restore the sinner. However, it is the sinful nature of man that many times causes us to substitute the truth of God that he has revealed to us with our own reality for that we have created in our own imaginations. The things that we create. I'm going to say something and it's very controversial but I don't care. <laughs> Create all the pronouns you want. There's a man and there's a woman. That's God's truth. That's God's truth. That doesn't mean we're angry. That doesn't mean we're obnoxious. That doesn't mean that we're, that we're at the point where we're, we're trying to vi make, be vitriolic towards people. But at the end of the day, how cruel is it to watch somebody headed toward the flood in their sins and to be politically correct, to be liked, and you let them go directly into a wrath that you know is on the way? Because you allow people to not make you tell the truth. And if you hide the truth, you are complicit in a lie. God wishes to eradicate the things left to our own devices. Humans are interesting creatures, Pastor Ernie. Left to our own devices, we create our own sense of what's right. We create our own sense of what's moral. We create our own sense of what's true. But there are some principles in life that you can just simply go to. That's why he said they are without excuse. You can try to play around with pronouns and all other things. But if you walk off that roof, I tell you, there's a principle towards gravity. And it doesn't care how you feel about it. It's truly going to pull you to the ground. There's truth and right and wrong in our world. In our world that teaches our millennials, of which I am one, I'm young, I might look old, but I'm young, that teaches us that truth is relative and that you live your own truth. That is man's attempt. And you can see it's not new. This is the 2,000-year-old scripture. They were doing it then just like they're doing it now. It is the nature of man. In the beginning, God created man in his, in his image, and almost immediately man tried to create God in his. 
And people are lost and they're looking for truth and they can't find it. Because we don't love them enough to tell them that there's a flood coming down the hill. Facebook's probably going to block me again, y'all. There's already blocked me once. It says, says that, that the things we preach and talk about, are, uh, uh, they don't fit the community guidelines. That's okay. <laughs> I'm not here to impress people. I'm not here to be liked by people. I'm here to tell you about the love of God. And in order for me to fully tell you about the love of God, I have to explain to you the wrath of God. I have to preach to you the truth. Do you realize there are people that have been raised in churches that are now in their 20s and 30s and never heard or read this scripture or heard sermons like this? Why? Because we are too chicken to tell people that there's water coming down the hill. We're too scared that if we preach the truth, they might not come back. We're too scared that if we preach the truth, they might not like us or they might turn people against us. Well, Jesus says it this way. I want you to know that the world hated me long before it hated you. When people say they love Jesus, I'm, I'm inclined to believe that it's because it's a Jesus they have constructed, not a Jesus that actually lived. Because the Jesus that I know, they got so mad at him that they hung him on a cross and they executed him because what he said didn't fit with the culture. What he said wasn't comfortable to religious people, but what he said was the truth. We live in a culture that has gotten so crazy that we become delusional. We agree with delusion. And it's not the first time that it's happened. Every time that a culture leaves God, this is the way we go. This is the way we come. My kids will say, Daddy, why are you talking about that all the time? Because you go and it's normalized everywhere you go. It's normalized in your schools, all these times of things. And I'm not just talking about the things you're thinking I'm talking about. I'm just talking about promiscuity. My daughters know there's a certain way that you will not dress. Why? Because there are only certain things that should be seen by your husband and your husband alone. I know that sounds old fashioned, but that's that's true. God tells us to be modest in the way we dress, modest in the way we act. You can be attractive without being perverse. All my cool pastor points are gone, but that's okay. I'm on a roll. I might as well keep going. Because the hearts of man will only suppress the truth. 18 says this, and you can put it up on the screen. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and all wickedness of men who suppress the truth. In other words, that they know the truth, but the truth is inconvenient with what they want to do. So they have to change what's true or what we believe to be true so we can think what they're doing is okay and what they're doing is normal. But I've come to tell you, if it's sin and it's outside of the will of God, it is not okay and it is not normal we live in a free country you can do whatever you want to do but also we live in a free country and I'm going to say whatever God wants me to say I will not normalize perversion Amen. 
I will not normalize promiscuity on our TVs. I will not normalize promiscuity around, around our children. I will not normalize things that should not be normalized. There are certain things, my kids have an air of innocence to them. Why? Because innocence is one of the most precious things in the world and people try their best to take it from our kids. There are some things I want my kids to find out when they're 18 that some people know when they're 13. You know why? Because they get a chance to be innocent. Nowadays, because of the wickedness of man and suppressing the truth, can you think of any examples in our culture where they suppress the truth? Where they say something that's absolutely insane, but you have to believe that it's true? How about men can have babies? I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm, I just want, can I talk to you today? Absolutely. They say that Christianity is not scientific. It goes against science. But Christianity is conjunction with science. Science only finds what God reveals. There's this thing that God made. It's a building block in, in, in our bodies, Brother Ernie. It's built off of amino acids. And it's called deoxyribonucleic acid. We call it DNA. That's a scientific term. That's the roadmap that God put there to know if your eyes are going to be blue, or if you're going to be tall, or if you're going to be short. I lost the lottery on that one. And, and whatever's going to happen, he puts these things in your DNA and you can go to whatever surgeon you want to go to. You can do whatever you want and try but a hundred years later when they find your body and they go in your bones and they find your DNA they will be able to tell whether you were biologically a man or a woman Amen. and to say anything else is delusion but that's what happens when our hearts get far away from God I'm not saying this to attack anybody. I'm saying this to help people because there's water coming down the hill. If we believe the truth of God, this is not a us against them and you tell them, no, this is not from anger. This is from anguish. This is from concern that if one person could hear me and realize that I'm walking in delusion and I'm walking in a lie that they will wake up to the truth and they will see the truth of God's word. And this is what 19 says. Pull it up on the screen. What does it say? It says, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. You can't walk outside and look at the intricacies of the planet and not tell that there's an intelligent designer somewhere. Albert Einstein was one of the most prolific uh, physicists in the world. And even he said, the more I study the laws of nature and, and all these uh, different laws, the more I realize there has to be an intelligent design somewhere. This can't just happen by happenstance. And we believe that that intelligent designer has left through us through the pages of inspired gospel the words of who he is and that you can look outside. I had a lady, I was, one day I was in her office and she was exasperated. She, was, she said, this kid keeps getting in trouble and, and things like this. And, and he says he doesn't believe in God. And I said, oh, that's easy to prove. She said, how? I said, I looked at her desk. I said, turn around. She turned around. I took an acorn or something and I set it on the desk. I said, turn back around. She turned back around and she said, what? I said, what do you see there? She said what it was. I said, how did it get there? She said, because you put it there. I said, but you didn't see me put it there. 
She said, but things just don't pick up and put themselves in places. Ah, <laughs> Christianity is not illogical. It's the most logical thing ever. Christianity is not ra- irrational. It's the most rational thing ever. But we are comparing it to the inmates that are running the asylum because when sin gets in us, all of us, and we'll see this next week, we're not just talking about the people here because the first thing that opens up, Brother Ernie, they're not helping me. Next week, the same thing after we talk about all these wicked people, the first line says, and such was some of you. Wow, I, th- that's going to be a great way to open, but don't not show up because that's how it opened. Just go ahead and read through it. Find the goodness in it. But we have to get to the point. And truth makes us us uncomfortable. There's somebody right now rolling their eyes and they don't like this and they think it's stupid. Why? Because you've been told a lie all your life and the truth sounds foreign to you. Whether you be online or whether you be in the building, you've been taught that things like this is hateful, but things telling people the truth is loving. Did you not know, Pastor Ernie, that if you can swim and you pass by somebody that's drowning and you're able to help them and you didn't, that you are legally liable for their death? That's the law. Why is it that we pass through a drowning world and we have the words of life and we won't lovingly present the truth? It's not my truth. It's his truth. Since what made me be known about God is made plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that they may be without excuse. In other words, you even if you're not in here, you can go out in nature. And if you have any any sense at all, you can figure out that there's a God somewhere. (laughs) Think about how complex the human body is. The human mind, we only use 10% of our brains, but our brains are so complex. There's no computer in the world that can compute to one human brain. Do you know how intelligent a design? I don't care what kind of artificial intelligence you make. I'm a computer science major. You cannot create something that can outdo what God has already created. He sounds so uneducated. I've got a bachelor's degree. I've got a master's degree. I've got more degrees in the thermometer. I've got all sorts of licenses and certifications. I'm not an uneducated person, but I am a saved person who has education. Education without salvation and the knowledge of truth makes you what my grandma used to call an educated fool. (laughs) That was a little harsh. I try not to be harsh. It's already a a sensitive subject. The Bible says not only do they ignore it, but they suppress it. Can you think of anything that makes us suppress the truth? Why is everybody so uncomfortable when we read these scriptures? Anybody? What do we do today to suppress the truth? Could we call it cancel culture? That every time you say something true that doesn't go with what the, what the, what the culture says, we counsel you and we go after your job and after your money and after all these other things. And I'm on social media trying to find out where you work and where you live so I can wreck your life. That's harm and that's violence. Why? Because I'm trying to suppress the truth. This is the nature of mankind. Isn't it amazing how it seems like Paul was looking at CNN or Fox News or whatever, Al Jazeera, or some news outlet when he wrote this, doesn't it? Because people don't change. The nature of sin 
It's the same. Let me move on. I want to get to some things. When you see the culture fighting to override obvious truth, we have uncovered systematic unrighteousness. That's a way to know when a culture is on decline. Number one is when they ignore the truth about God. Everybody said they ignore the truth. They ignore the truth about God. Frederick Nietzsche said that God is dead. Why did he want God dead? Because Frederick Nietzsche wanted the sexual revolution. And so did all his people. And you couldn't be sexually perverse and just sleep with whoever you wanted to as long as there was a God. So he got into the intellect of many people and it began to go into schools and academia to, and, and to where there were many professors. Unless you said God was dead, they would flunk you in class. There are a lot of our kids that are going to go off to college. My daughter's going off to college and they're going to have secularized professors that try to confuse them and tell them that God's not real, that religion is a farce, and they shouldn't believe in that, and they should just trust in their intellect. Why? Because I can't get you off base until I get rid of the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the way, and the life. No man comes to the Father by him. I erase truth. I get rid of God. And why am I getting rid of God? So I can put my own God there. I'm getting rid of his morality so I can put my own moral rules there. Not only do I do that, but then I move around. Where is this in the text, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to read this. Are y'all tired of me yet? All right, let, let's read today. We're going we're gonna to do a little reading because we need to read this so you won't think it's just the opinion of a man, but you can read. You're smart enough to read by yourself. You're smart. I've talked to you. I know you're smart. So <laughs> we're going to read some, okay? Let's see. Let's start at verse 21, and I'm going to start and stop a song. Let's, let's go to verse 21. Verse 21. We're, we're going to read through these things because it's important for us to know these things. What does it say? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him, but they came futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They got smart enough to figure they didn't need God. They had their own systems, their own economies of scale. They had their own economic and socialized principles. They figured that they could do without God. Now that they had a little civilization, they didn't have to depend on God as much because they could go. They knew how to farm. They knew how to irrigate. They knew how to do things. And when they got a little something in their life, they figured out that they wouldn't need God. You know what? I often wonder why God had us come from Mississippi here and, and to a place. And you know why? I said, well, people here, most times when we think of mission fields, we think of places like Africa. I've been to Africa and places where people are poor we make missions synonymous with poverty. But I've come to tell you that most of the places that need Jesus are the affluent places. It's places like Royal Oak where people have plenty of money and they think because they have a degree and they have money and they have a nice house and a nice lifestyle that they're OK. But I've come to tell you that if you don't have the truth of God and the truth of his word, you are bankrupt. That many of the places that we overlook are the places that we need to be knocking door on doors. Let's let's keep going. Let's see what they did. It's in the text. I just wanted you to read what I already told you. Verse 22. What does it say? Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They began to worship idols. They put up gods that they could control. 
they put up images of a Jesus that never tells them about their own and lives in it, lets them live in their sin. They put up an image of a Jesus that only loves you. They, they, they've erased the part of him coming back on a horse with king of kings down his thigh to destroy all those who are the enemy of God. They, they forgot to put that part about Jesus in there, didn't they? They construct in their mind a friendlier or nicer Jesus. Wow. So what does God do? He gives him his wrath. There are two types of wrath. Everybody say active wrath, active wrath. and passive wrath. Sometimes we see the active wrath of God where we can know that God is intervening in the culture, in the world, where we see it oftentimes in biblical proportions. We're used to that, seeing that in the Old Testament and things like that. But sometimes there is a passive wrath. And, I'm, and you know what the passive wrath is? Sometimes you parents do that. I've often told people the best way to convince somebody that they do not want something is to give it to them. Won't clean your room? My kids clean the room. I'm just making an example. Won't clean your room? That's fine. Mama, there's roaches in my room. That's your problem. That's passive wrath. <laughs> well, you let people's decisions dig their own grave for them. You get tired of telling them right so long that you let them live wrong and you let the consequences of their actions decide what happens to them. Let's read about this. What does it say? Verse 24, what does it say? Therefore, God, I want us to read this loud together. Let's not be scared to read it. It's okay. It's a reality. We love everybody. Let's read. Let's go. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now we're about to see passive wrath. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Stop. He, he got tired of telling them. So he let them think that what was wrong was right. It's called a reprobate mind. We see that in the old King James. Let's see what happens. Let's, let, let's see the result of that. What does it say? For their women exchanged natural relation for, uh, for those that are contrary to nation. Let, let's put it this way in our terms. Lesbianism occurred. That's what that is. Let's, let's keep going. And men likewise gave up natural relations with, homos, with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Let's keep going. Did you notice it said it receives in themselves the due penalty for their error? Can we think of ways that living an immoral lifestyle will cause us pain? But let's not just go, go to those things, Brother Bob. How many people die of diabetes from sin in our flesh? Eating too much, drinking too much, putting the wrong things in our bodies. And we receive unto ourselves the due penalties for our what? Notice I say we. I'm in the gym every day. It's a fight. It's a struggle. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you. All of us have struggles, but we can't make excuses for our struggles. They receive in themselves the due penalties for their error. Let's go to verse 28. Let's see what God did since they didn't want any of him. Verse 28, what does it say? And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. Stop. When we go to academia and different places, they're after your mind. 
Why does perversion come through education? Because if I can treat you that right is wrong at a young, young age, I've got you. The enemy's not worried about older people. You guys will jump him and haw and shout at whatever I preach because you know the truth. He's not after you. He's after the young babies when you send them to school and you don't ask them what they're being taught. When you send them to school and you never pick up their books. My kids get sick of me. You know why? Because especially my middle child, because they love to read, but daddy likes to read too. And sometimes I walk over and say, what you reading? And I pick up that book and I read through it. I read two or three pages, may read a couple chapters and say, you can't read this. Take it back. Why? Because once it's in your mind, it's hard to get it out. That's called parenting. You're not their friend, you're their parent. You're not their buddy, you're their parent. Your job is not to make them like you. Your job is to raise them up with truth in their heart so when they're able to leave you and make their own decisions, they have a good compass to, to move their way. And if you know the truth and you're so interested in making it a us versus them and you are not teaching your kids, shame on us. I didn't want to say you because you might get offended. I said, shame on us if we don't teach our kids the truth. Shame on us if we let not just the TV, but the school raise our children. Just as long as they go there, we're happy they're learning something. They're going to graduate. They're going to get a job. But their soul is going to be lost. Shame on us for not being active and raising our children. Shame on us who come into churches to minister while our children are lost in the church. Shame on us when they come in with a debased mind. I know it happens because every now and then I, I talk to my kids a lot. I spent a lot of time with my middle daughter yesterday. We had a good time. We were just talking. And I like to talk to them, and I don't do much talking. I let them talk because I want to see what's in their heart. When I see what's in their heart, I listen, and I don't judge them. I don't yell at them. I don't, I don't say, sometimes I say, I, if it's something just very off, I say, that's off. But I ask them, why do you think that? What's this? Why is this? And I begin to find ways to teach them and guide them back to truth. Where did you get that from? Let's keep reading. We're almost done. Y'all okay out there? <laughs> All right. <laughs> God gave them up to a debased mind to do what not ought be done. Now, I like this because most of us, we say we got, we got yes and loud when I hit the first one. But I want us to read these last ones just as loud because chances are in, in, our, in our fellowship, we don't have as many of the people who might do the first, although we're called to love those people and give them the truth. But here's the deal. I'm pretty sure before we read, finish this list, we're going to find something in us in here. Well, I'm not I'm I'm not disobedient to my parents. Have you cleaned your room or do they have to tell you four or five times? I don't gossip. Do you leave church and sit around the dinner table and talk about stuff that happened to church and about people? I'm not boastful. I'm not insolent. Let's read it together. Let's, let's just read it together so, so I don't step on, on any toes. I let the word do the stepping. So you'll be mad at him and not me. Let's read. Verse 29, what does it say? They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetedness. Well, well some, wait, wait a minute. Pastor, what's covetedness? I always want what everybody else has. That's big in our culture. 
always wanting the face of the body somebody has on TikTok, uh, on, on, on Instagram, or always wanting to dance or have the beats they have, not realizing that all that stuff is photoshopped and airbrushed and it's not real. Everybody say it's not real. Stop wanting what's in somebody else's yard. It's the reason that their grass is green. You better watch your step. Stop wondering why people's grass is greener. Let's keep going. Malice, anger. God doesn't call us to be bitter. One thing that breaks my heart is a bitter, angry Christian. You should have joy. Jesus died for you. You got the love of Jesus in your heart. Even when people are living in sin, you love them. You're not trying to attack them. You're trying to lovingly lead them to the truth. Don't be, everybody said, don't be an angry Christian. <laughs> we don't have any here. Praise God. Uh, but, um, uh, but we need to know that. Let's, let's keep going. Malice, what does it say? They are full of envy, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Now let's just stop. It's easy to just look past that list, but what would Jesus say? Jesus says it this way. Well, we're not under the law, Pastor. That's great. I'm glad we're not under the law. But here's the thing. Jesus said he didn't, uh, he didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And he didn't erase the standard. Jesus actually raised the standard. He said... You said that it said that you shouldn't commit adultery with your body. But I say to you, if you ever look on a woman with lust who's not your wife, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He's raising the standard. Jesus doesn't lower the standard. He raises it. Why? To let you know that you need him and you have to depend on him because all of us are guilty in one way or another. There's not one person in this room that can look down on the other. All of us have been in sin and we're saved by the mercy and grace of Jesus. Let's keep reading. This is weighty. They're full of envy, murder, strife. What else? Deceit. Who's that on the phone? It's the bill collector. Tell them I'm not home. <laughs> Deceit maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Stop. Lock her up. Send him to jail. How many of us hop in on the chance of our favorite political opponent that we don't like and we hope that bad happens to them? Anybody here guilty of that? Don't raise your hand. That's malicious. You're wishing bad on somebody that you don't even know. How would you like it if somebody wanted your child locked up? But when it's your child, you want mercy. When it's your friend, you want mercy. But we always want justice and retribution for everybody else. Nothing wrong with wanting justice. But let's look at our heart and why we want it. I'm going to have to be like the old Baptist preachers today. Amen, lights. <laughs> We're almost finished. What does it say? Though they know God's, verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Matter of fact, we'll tell you it's okay and we'll throw you a parade in the cake. Let's celebrate your wickedness. I don't celebrate mine. We all have it. And I don't want anybody to celebrate my wickedness. It's a fact. I want to be broken 
by my wickedness. Because the Bible says the Lord looks for a contrite heart and a broken spirit. I want my sin to make me broken so that I want it away from me. Why? Because the further I get away from it, the closer I get to Christ. He is not telling us this to condemn us. How do I know? John 3, 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why is he telling us this? Because of John 3, 17, because it says he that believeth not is already condemned. We're already under condemnation. Knowing this truth and depending on Jesus will give us life. And in the morning of that morning of May 31st, I know there's somebody, there was a little girl who talked about that she was floating on the water on her mattress and she saw 10 or 11 people that were floating on the roof in Johnstown. They were on the roof and they told the guy not to do it, but he jumped in the water to come and save her. He risked his life to save her. He was on the safety of a broken roof. That's how high the water got. He, he was on the roof floating and he hopped off the safety of the roof, hopped into torrential water. He could have lost his life to reach out and save a little girl and she was later there to tell the story. He didn't care about the danger he would face. He didn't care if he was unpopular. And that's why I am. I'm right there with Paul right now. I'm not worried about the backlash that I will receive from preaching this sermon. I'm willing to go into dangerous territory because I see people drowning. And I know that the wrath of God is coming down the hill. He's coming down the hill. Virginia, he's coming down the hill. I want to leave you with this last scripture because most people will use towards these arguments that Jesus would never say anything like that. Well, let's look at the words of Jesus. This is Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 24, 36 through 42. This is the last thing we're going to read. Let's see what he says about it. Y'all ready? Let's read it loud and proud. Let's read it. Let's, let us be proud of what, what our Lord and Jesus has, has said. Let's read it together what it say. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until that day when the whoa 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 Jesus is saying this is what the end is going to be like. I stopped because something popped up to me because we look past Noah. Noah and the ark is a type of salvation. So I read it this way. But in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day the way of salvation was closed to them until they couldn't get into the ark, until it was too late. People will forever be living, enjoying themselves, enjoying them lives, don't have time for God, don't have time for their religious stuff and some will still be doing it right up until the moment when Jesus returns and it's too late. Amen. Verse 39, what does it say? And they were on, let's get it up there, verse 39, you ready? And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on one what day your Lord is coming. I'm going
gonna I'm gonna reclaim terms. People always they always reclaiming our terms. I'm gonna take one today. Everybody says, stay, stay woke. That's the type of woke you need to be. That Jesus is returning. And if you keep going about your day-to-day life and don't stop to listening to the pulling of God on your hands, one on your heart, one day it will be too late. Somebody say, he's coming down the hill. <laughs> he's coming down the hill. And many of us don't bother because sin has made us numb to judgment. He's coming down the hill. We promote what God abhors. He's coming down the hill. We spare the feelings of others at the expense of offending God. I don't care if you cancel me. But what if God cancels me? I'd rather be counseled by corporations and people and men than to be counseled by God. Because when people counsel you, you may make a comeback. But when God counsels you, that's it. Pastor, do you have a Bible for that? Yes. The Bible says this. Jesus says, fear not him who can destroy merely the body. But he says, fear him who can cast both body and soul into hell, into Gehenna. Guess what? I'd rather be offensive to people in order to save some than to be offensive to God. For what profit a man to gain the world, to gain popularity, to gain retweets and likes, then do and gain all these followers and then in turn lose my soul. He's coming down the hill. Now, the cool part is that most of you in here know Jesus. So if he comes down the hill, you're already in the ark of safety. You're already in the boat. But my plea is for those who don't know Jesus. It's not an angry plea. Nobody's mad at you. We're all sinners in need of the grace of God. But what are you going to do if he comes down the hill? What are you going to do when the wrath of God comes looking for you? The wrath of God has already been satisfied on the cross. All you have to do is receive Jesus by faith. You don't even have to do anything. It's not by what you do. It's simply by your belief and your following, your profession of faith. We are saved by grace through faith. That's the best gift you could ever have. God says you never could be good enough to get into heaven. I sent my son to die for you, and I put my wrath on you. That's what the cross is. The cross is the pouring out of the wrath of God. That's why Isaiah said it pleased him to crush his own son that was the pouring out of the wrath of God on his own son since it's already been poured on Jesus why would you let it be poured on you come inside Jesus inside of the ark of safety give your life to him because one day just like that flood in 1889 just like the flood for Noah in Genesis 8 and 9 He's coming down the hill. He's not giving this to judge you. He's giving this to save you. It's not God's will that one person should perish. God is not here to hate people. God is not here to 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 throw people in hell. God's here to save people. God, good God doesn't send people to hell. We send ourselves when we reject the good God. He's given us a lifeline and we have a choice. 
What will be your choice today? As we finish and Pastor Dave comes, there may be somebody online or somebody in the building that does not know Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to know him today. The bad news is, this is the inverse of my statement, Pastor Ernest. The bad news is that salvation is necessary. But the good news is, salvation is available. For all those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He loves you. Let us stand. As Brother Dave comes and they play some music softly. If you need something from the altar, you're welcome to come to the altar. If you need something, a touch from the Lord, you're welcome. Um.